Welcome to our podcast here at Trinity West Church. We believe that you will be enriched by today's message. Let's open our hearts to receive God's Word. As you are giving, if you would turn to Matthew chapter 2 and then Acts chapter 9. Matthew chapter 2 and Acts chapter 9. Of course, Matthew 2 starts us off as we enter into the Christmas season uh, with a story uh, from the account of Matthew, and we're going to go into a little bit of history today and a little bit of study that I'm going to give you a little bit of a background, and then we'll kind of get into what we're going to talk about. I'm going to share a message today. We're going to start a, a little series called this, An Audience with the King, An Audience with the King. Leading up to our Christmas Eve services, which we have two Christmas Eve services this year. We have one on the 23rd at 7 p.m. and then one on the 24th at 6 p.m. So I encourage you to make plans and invite people to our Christmas Eve services. We're going to have a great time. We got little kids singing and who knows what's going to happen. I mean, you just never know. We got our like five-year-old and under singing and it's going to be great. And and so it's going to be a great Christmas Eve service. We have lots and lots of Uh, good times and and fun, but in Matthew chapter 2, it starts off in verse number 1 and says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Of course, we can go on and to read the rest of this particular account of what happened. And and you see this scene many times depicted in the nativity scene where you see three particular wise men. They always happen to be on camel. There's always, you know, two white guys, one ethnic guy. I don't know why, but that's the way they kind of put it out. They always have three boxes because the Bible says they opened up their treasures, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So each one of them had a particular box and, 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 you know, they all kind of looked like they were from Saudi Arabia dressed and they got turbans on their head and, and, and we like that, you know, that's the, that's the picture of the nativity scene and it's not necessarily the biblical account. The Bible does say that there were wise men, but it doesn't say how many they were. It doesn't say anything about camels, right? It just said that they journeyed from the east and they did see a star. If you go on to read the rest of the account, and we'll get to that uh, a little later in this series, you find that they came to the house where Jesus was, so they never actually came to the stable. They actually entered into a house, and they presented their gifts not to a baby in a manger. They presented their gifts to a small child. Probably Jesus at that time was about two years old. So I still like the nativity scene. I love it. I still put one up, and I I like it, you know. I got little donkeys and stuff like that, you know, and it's kind of cute, you know, straw, you know. But but the biblical account is just a, a little bit different. And so we don't know a lot about these particular men, but we do want to talk about uh, them for such for for some uh, here because there was something about them that made them journey. They they just they just had this desire to come. Listen now and have an audience with the king. 
Now, this particular account, you don't find in the book of Luke, or you don't find it in Mark, you don't find it in John. You only find it in the book of Matthew, and that's significant because the Matthew, the, the book of Matthew was written for the Jews, and you find the word king a lot in this particular book because it was written to the Jews, and it presented Jesus as king. Mark was written to the Romans. It presented Jesus as a servant. Uh, Luke was presented to uh, the Greeks, and it presents Jesus as more of an intellectual, of Jesus more of, of someone who, who they would aspire to be like. And then John's gospel is, is unique in itself. But Matthew was written to the Jewish uh, it was kind of, Jewish people, it was kind of to present Jesus as the king. And so it tells the story of these magis coming from the east. Now there were four particular, uh, you could say, uh, people who dominated the Middle East. Uh, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans. And the Babylonians were set up in tribes. They were set up in tribes, and one of those tribes was the Magi. Now, the Jewish people were also set up in tribes, and one of their tribes was the tribe of Levite, and they were the priests. And the Babylonians were set up in the tribes, and very similar to the role of the Levites in the Jewish culture, the Magi played that role in the Babylonian culture. And so the Magi, which is short for magician, they were to the Babylonians what you could say the priests were to the Jewish culture. And in the Jewish culture, when a king would be crowned, a priest would preside over the coronation of that king. Well, in the Babylonian culture, when a king would be crowned, the Magi would preside over the coronation of of that king. So it's no coincidence that Jesus, or I should say God, puts the story of the Magi in the book of Matthew. He did it because it's not just a good story, it's not just another account. It is the story of a baby who is to be king. It is King Jesus. They weren't just coming to present their gifts to a good person, a good teacher, uh, 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 or even you could say a Lord and Savior. We know all that to be true. They were coming to present their gifts to royalty. He's king, and he's not just a king. He is the king above all kings. Hallelujah. And so the story of the Magi is very, very important. And the account of what took place is very important. These men left, and they left with gifts in hand. And they started on what was about a 2,000-mile journey that would take them several months to complete. And there was no doubt that, that we don't know how many of them were, but they came by caravan. And I am, am just of the belief, most theologians believe, that they didn't just come with one little box, but if they were coming to present their gifts to royalty, they came with, with boxes of gold, boxes of frankincense, boxes of myrrh. They came and they would just pour out treasures, as many would do in that culture. When they would come before a king, they would never bring a small gift. They would bring a huge gift, a huge amount of gold. And so they started on this journey. 
But what made them start? What made them take that first step? You say, well, there was a star. Well, there was probably lots of stars. Well, this was brighter than the others. Well, there was probably a few that were brighter than the others. But there was something about them. It wasn't just that they saw the star. It's that they were looking for the star. And we know that in Daniel chapter 4, it tells us the story of, of Daniel, the fact that he was actually the chief of the Magi. Remember when the Babylonians conquered Israel, they took Daniel and, and several of the young men captive in order to train them, in order to, to kind of make them, and they found Daniel to be ten times smarter than any of the other Israelites. So they made him chief. As he got older, he became chief of the Magi. So you imagine Daniel was a godly person. He was, a, he was a, uh, someone who hungered after God. And so year after year, Daniel would just kind of pass on that hunger. And, and most of the book of Daniel is prophecy. And so he would give these, prophet, uh, the, these prophecies and these accounts of what's going to take place. And these prophecies would be passed down from generation to generation until several hundred years later, they landed into the hands of these men. And they said, this is the time. This is the moment. This is the season, the window, when the king is to be born. And so they set out on this journey because they just had this desire. Uh, my life will not be complete. My life, my life will not be set until I have what you could say is this, an audience with the king. I want to I see him. I want to present my gifts to him. I want to pour out worship to him. But I just want an audience with the king. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about prayer as we come really towards January 10th. January 10th is our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And my prayer is that everyone jumps into these 21 days. We do this at the beginning of every year. We've done it almost since the beginning of our church. 21 days of prayer and fasting. And God has been speaking to me about prayer and prayer strategies and what to do and, and how to, as a church, to increase our prayer life corporately, but also personally. And so I want to just talk to you for just a little bit. And I know people go, hey, pastor, we've heard it all on prayer. And, and prayer has been taught and prayer has been written about. But the one thing that, that we all could say we wish we did more was pray. I said this Friday night when we had our prayer time, and I say it often, does anybody ever think that they pray too much? Does anybody in here just go, you know, Pastor, I'm too, I'm too prayed out. I just pray too much. I need to cut back on... No, nobody ever thinks that. We all wish that we were a more effective praying person. And so we're going to talk about this, and, and because these men set out on a particular journey, and their journey was to see him, was to be in his presence. And it should be the same thing, the same desire of our heart. So as we get towards our 21 days of prayer and fasting, let's talk about how we can have a more consistent prayer life, a more consistent prayer life, because if it was easy everyone would be doing it. Isn't that the truth? If there was no problem praying, if, we, if it was easy to pray an hour, then all of us would be praying an hour. But you know it's not that easy. 
And there are several things that come up against us, and there are things that try to distract us and pull away from, from us having a consistent prayer life. There are three levels to prayer. I want to give them to you. And the first level is this, the desire to pray. You just, you desire to be a praying person. Now, Mike Murdoch says this, the proof of desire is pursuit. The proof of desire is pursuit. I'll often get my children to come up to me and they'll say, Dad, I'm hungry. So I'll suggest two or three things, and all of you parents have probably been there. You'll suggest two or three things, and they'll go, no. And then I'll say this, no. How about, well, how about I make you one of these? No, I don't want any of that. Well, how about, how about we got some of this left over? No. And then I go, well, then you're not hungry. Because I've been hungry before. I have gone without food to where anything sounds good. I would almost eat hummus, <laughs> which is from the devil. Have you ever tried that stuff? It's horrible. It's terrible. But I had been so hungry, I would eat hummus. I mean, that's hungry. And so when I suggest to them several things, they go, no, no, no. Well, then how hungry are you? Because the proof of desire is pursuit. And the first thing we want to do when it comes to pray, listen, we want to pray. I don't think there's anybody in here that doesn't say, Pastor, I, would, I want to pray. Yes, I understand the value of prayer, and I want to be a praying person. All of us would raise our hands on that. And that's just the first level. And if it was just that easy, you know, if being in great shape physically was just so easy, everybody would do it. But let me tell you, the, the heaviest piece of equipment at the gym is, is not the, the dumbbells or it's not the leg press or the Smith machine. Let me tell you, the heaviest piece of equipment at that gym is that front door. Oh, man, that thing is so heavy. You can hardly get that front door open. It is so heavy, right? Because it's not easy, but we desire it, but... The proof of desire is pursuit. The second stage is this. The second level is discipline. This is when you get up early. When you push past the snooze alarm and you push past the fatigue and you, you shake yourself and you get up and you, you find the discipline to wake up. Open your Bible. Get to a place, a back porch, a, a kitchen table, or, or a room somewhere. You find a place to pray. You discipline yourself to pray. You desire to pray, that's great, but that's not good enough. This is when you put in the, the effort and the energy and you discipline yourself to pray. And then the third stage is this the delight stage. This is where prayer becomes a habit. This is when you go to bed at night and you look forward to waking up to spend time with God. Oh, it's beautiful to get to that stage. When you get to that stage, when you, when you go to sleep and you can't wait to wake up so that you could spend time with God, I roll out of bed fairly easy. It doesn't take me anything to roll out of bed. As soon as the alarm goes off, I, my feet are up. I, and I, I'd like to say that it's because I just, I go straight to my prayer closet. I go straight to my Keurig. But beyond that, and have a cup of coffee, and then to my prayer closet, but I just wake up early no matter what. I'm just, it's easier for me. And then there are others that just don't do it so easy. I've got children, and they just are, you couldn't get any different. 
One wakes up just that easy, just like me, just out of bed, feet on the ground, straight to whatever they have to do. The other one, forget it, man, forget it. You could dr- literally drag them out of bed onto the floor, and they would stay asleep. So I understand that for some people it's more difficult. But when you get to the delight stage, where you could just wake up and go, God, I thank you that I get to take this time in the morning to spend it with you. This time that I set aside my lunch hour to spend with you. This time that I set aside the day to spend with you. What a delight it is. But you have to push through. You can't just want it. You have to discipline yourself to do it. But then you get to a place where you go, God, thank you. Thank you. In Luke chapter number 11, it says this. Now it came to pass. This is speaking of Jesus. As he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Jesus was praying and they were watching him or at least they knew, they could see him, maybe I'm sure from afar off, maybe at a closer distance. And they said, the Bible says that he went to a certain place. He went to a place that he went to all the time. It was a certain place. Not a strange place, a certain place. Not a new place, a certain place. And he went to this certain place, and there he prayed. And when he came back from this time of praying, one of his disciples said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? In other words, in that disciple's life, there must have been something that said, I need to be more effective in my prayer time. I, I need to be a better prayer. I need to pray more. I need to pray deeper. I need to pray more fervently. Something is lacking in my prayer life. Now, Lord, would you teach me to pray? Of course, Jesus goes on to say, Pray, therefore, like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he gave them the Lord's Prayer as a pattern to teach them how to pray. And so there was this desire. I've got an audience with the king. Now, I, I want to be a praying person. They saw that Jesus had an audience, and they wanted an audience. They wanted an effective prayer life. They wanted to know how to pray. And so there was this this desire. But every time we go to pray, we always face challenges. Two challenges. Number one, the flesh. The flesh doesn't want you to pray. The flesh wants you to sleep or put on TV or check the computer or go straight to work or get on Facebook or social media. The flesh wants you to do anything but open your Bible and pray. Anything but that. And the devil joins right in, man. He's the other one, man. The devil says, no, no, you got too much to do. You're too busy. The day's going to get away with you. You can't take 30 minutes. You can't take 45 minutes. You certainly can't take an hour. No, no, no. That's, no you, you know, God would want you rested. God would not want you tired. I mean, if you get tired, you may snap at somebody today. If you snap at somebody today, you may lose your job. If you lose your job, then you can't pay your bills. Hey, don't get up because, after all, you may not be able to pay your bills and feed your little children, you know? I mean, the devil works on your brain like that. You have to determine, no, 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 I'm going to discipline myself. 
I'm going to set off on this journey, and I am going to find myself a pray. I'm going to find myself as a praying person. So there are several prayer hindrances. I want to just give you one today that we're going to talk about that is so important, and that's this. You have to make the discovery of God your first priority. The first priority of my prayer time is not to get my needs met. Over the last two weeks, we've shared two different messages with you. Last week was the prayer of faith. The, the week before that was the language of gratitude. I encourage you to go on iTunes, get the podcast, listen to those, because you understand that your needs are met. God has provided for your salvation. He has provided for your healing. He has provided for your victory. He has provided for your joy. He has provided for your peace. Amen? We talked about that for several weeks. So listen, when you go into your prayer life, your number one priority is I want to know who God is. I just want to know what he's like. I just want to, I just want to talk to him. I want to discover. I want to know all about him. Right? I, just want to, I just want to go and I just want to spend time finding out who he is. When I was just an older teenager, the church that I was at decided to do some Bible school classes by video, and they had one Bible school class by video, and the title of it is, Who is God? Now, remember, about 17, 18 years old, I said, I'm going to take these video courses. You would borrow the videos, you would take them home, and then you would study on your own. You'd write papers, and you'd take tests on your own based on the, the videos. You had to watch the videos. Remember VHS tapes? Anybody remember those? So you put a VHS in. I know. So you put this in, and, and I remember thinking of that title, Who is God? What in the world? That's the most ridiculous title for a Bible school class. Anybody going into Bible school class knows who God is. And then the week after week, as I put in these VHS tapes, I remember that it would be one week, God is faithful. God is love. And they would just teach you all about the attributes of God. Not just his name and not just his book and not just, it's finding out all about what's in here. He's the creator of the universe. Yes, let's dig deeper than that. Huh? He, he's, he's love. Yes, let's dig into that. Let's find out who he is. Let's make knowing him and, and what is he like. And let's think discovering him our number one priority. Instead of just going in uh, on a morning time and, and grabbing our Bible and God, go, God, you know all the problems that I have. Now let me just list them out one by one. No, that's not the, the number one priority of prayer. If you only do that in your prayer time, you will find a very inconsistent prayer life because you'll get to the place where you have prayed the, the same prayers over and over again, and you may not be seeing results, you may not be seeing answers, and you will say to yourself, well, then why pray? You pray because you discover who God is. And every day, his mercies are new. Every day, his grace is poured out. And every day, this great big God who holds the universe in your hands will just show you a little more glimpse of who he is. Hallelujah. And so that's why we pray. I want us to flip over, if you're already there, but let's flip over to Acts chapter 9. And then I'm just going to show you a couple verses that are just amazing. 
In Acts chapter 9, it tells the story of the conversion of Saul to Paul. Saul was a man who was persecuting Christians, who actually had the legal right to imprison them, persecute them, and even kill them. And in verse 1 of chapter 9, it says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. But look at verse number 3. It says this, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads or the thorns. And verse 6 says, So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? There are two questions that Saul asked. The first question is, who are you? Just who are you? The second question is, Lord, what do you want me to do? But I have found in, in counseling uh, believers and, and just generally, you know, pastoring and, and being in ministry, I have found that most people, they really want the answer to the second question, and they bypass the first question. But I'm here to tell you, listen to me, you will never get the answer to the second question without discovering the answer to the first question. But yet, in our prayer times, and let me tell you, I have been as guilty as anyone. In our prayer times, we often focus on the second question. Lord, what do you want me to do today? Lord, what should I do about that problem in my family? Lord, what do I do about this financial situation? And then, Lord, what do I do? You know I haven't been feeling well. And Lord, what do I do? Lord, what do... Everybody wants the answer to that question. Lord, what do I do? But Paul's first question was, Lord, who are you? Who are you? God, first and foremost, wants to reveal himself to you. Listen, the wise men were not traveling to ask anything of the baby. They were not coming with a list of requests. They were not coming to a godfather and paying some sort of tribute in order to get something in return. They were not coming to say, hey, hey, here, here I am offering you something. Now, in return, would you please? No, that's not why they came. They just wanted to see him. They just wanted to be near him. They just wanted to put their eyes on him. And if you want to move, listen to me, if you want to move in your prayer life to something that sees results and is more consistent and you actually get to that delight stage where you wake up in the morning and you just can't wait to pray. You have to put the discovery of who he is, who God is. God, what are you like? Who are you, Lord? Just, just tell me a little bit about yourself. 
Just tell me what you're like. Just show me. Just show me just, just a glimpse of your character, a glimpse of your faithfulness, a glimpse of your love. Just show it to me. Just reveal. Lord, would you just pull back the curtain just a little bit more this morning so that I might see you? And when you make that your priority in prayer, you will easily get up in the morning because you understand who you're talking to. It wasn't hard, and we'll look at it later, it wasn't hard for those men to bow down. It wasn't hard for them to get on their knees. It wasn't hard for them to, to take off their treasures. We don't know how much of that, that represented their totality of wealth. We don't know what that cost them. We know that the journey that they made was very, very intense. It was over desert. It was 2,000 miles. It took them months to be able to complete that journey. But they'll tell you it was worth it. Now, how can we not? Listen, and I'm pointing a finger at myself. How can we not simply wake up, go a few feet to a kitchen table or a few extra feet to a, a, a back porch or, or just find a place wherever it is? How can we not do that to be able to go and see a king and just find out all about him? I want you to bow your heads and Close your eyes for just a moment. You have the opportunity of a lifetime today and tomorrow and Wednesday and Friday and Saturday and next week and next month. You have the opportunity of a lifetime to be able to discipline yourself to pray. And I, I, I know some walked in here and say, Pastor, I've heard a hundred sermons on praying. Well, listen, you need 101, because I do. And I've heard many, many sermons on prayer, made, made, read many books on prayer. But I just need that reminder in my life. I'm not talking to just anybody. I'm not going on to a back porch and sitting in a swing and grabbing a Bible and an iPad. I'm not just, just going to do that to talk to anybody. I'm not just presenting my list of needs to some sort of fairy tale character. No, it goes so much deeper than that, so far beyond that. What I am doing this morning is I'm having an audience with the king. And long before I get to my requests, long before I ask anything specific of my day, can I just make discovering you, God, my number one priority? Can I just find out a little bit about you? Can, can I worship you and let you just come and reveal yourself to me? Jesus left his disciples, to go to a certain place to pray because he wanted to fellowship with his Father. Not to ask requests, and you don't see a lot of that. There are times, and of course in the garden where he did ask, but it doesn't say in his prayer time he would always ask and ask and ask. No, he just... He would just spend time in his presence. If God showed me something over this next 
prayer season of my life. It's just to listen. Let him speak. Stop talking. And just sit in his presence and think. And listen. Let me pray for you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for each and every person in this place. Lord, I pray for them today. Lord, may they set off on a journey. It isn't always easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Nothing could be more valuable. Let a hunger be birthed inside of us, much like was in those men. That no matter what the cost, no matter what we had to give up, no matter what had to be set aside, no matter what disciplines had to be established in our life, we will pray. We will seek. We will inquire. We will pursue. Because we want to just know you, God. May the question of our life still resonate like it did with that man. Who are you, God? Who are you, Lord? Not some mystery, no, simply because we ask that question, we find the answer. Oh, this is who God is. Now, now I know, now I know what he wants me to do. If you're here today and you have your head bowed and eyes closed, just praying, I just want to encourage you today. Maybe you're here and you're distant or away from God. Maybe you're here and you feel that you have been separated from God somehow, some way, or maybe you've never made decision to follow after God. But you'd like to today, man, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to lead you in a prayer of forgiveness that is available to you. God made it available to you on the cross. You could just receive it today. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, would you please do that? I I feel that I'm away from God. I feel distant. I feel disconnected. If that's you, just raise your hand very high and bold and, and say, please pray for me, Pastor. I'd love to do that today. I'd love to make you connect with God. Amen. I see your hand. Anybody else just say, Pastor, that's me today. I see your hand. Anybody else just say, that's me. Without a doubt, I need to do that. You can put your hand down. Anybody else, you say, Pastor, that's me today. Now, right where you're at, would you just do this? Would you just stand to your feet? Let me pray with you right where you're at. Just stand up. I'm going to pray with you. Right? Amen. Amen. Let me lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer along with them. Amen. Another one standing. Say, Father God. Come on, let's all pray together. Say, Father God, I come to you just as I am. Everything that I've done wrong and everything that I've done right, I lay it at your feet. I ask Jesus to come into my heart to be my Lord and to be my Savior, to forgive me of my sin and to wash me clean. From this moment forward, I make a decision to serve God with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, 
Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Can I have everyone standing with them? Let me just pray a prayer of blessing over you. If you stood for that prayer, would you do this? Would you come find me immediately after service? I'm going to be down here at the front. I just want to pray with you very quickly, and then we're going to make sure that you have a Bible and, and we get your name and information. But I just want to pray for each person here. Listen, please, please don't forget, this is not just some formula or good idea. This is the battle for your future. Am I going to be a praying person? Or am I just going to let that area of my life just consistently kind of struggle, have my ups and have my downs? Or can I discipline myself and really get past my flesh and the enemy who tries to hinder me? And I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to put the priority in my life of knowing God. That's number one. And I'm going to be a praying person. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for each and every person that is in this place. Lord, I'm so grateful for their lives. And I pray right now, God, decisions would be made this morning that would put them on a course, a journey, Lord, not the easiest journey, but the most rewarding journey of life to discover who you are. God, that we would push past fatigue and distractions and those things that would hinder us, and we would make knowing you, God, discovering who you are, our number one priority. Lord, get us out of bed. Shake us, God. Father, I pray today, let us discipline ourselves to be a praying person. So, Father, I speak a blessing upon each person that is gathered here. I declare they're blessed coming in, they're blessed going out, they're above and not beneath, they're the head and not the tail. And, God, your angels are dispatched to watch over us, our families, and your stuff in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Would you put your hands together and thank God today? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Shake somebody's hand on your way out. Hug somebody's neck. You are dismissed this morning.